0: Welcome to episode number eight of Collective Conversations. I'm your host, Mike Brewer, and today I have the great privilege of sitting down with Peter Roisman from Rev, the leasing management company. Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. Peter, can you tell our audience a little bit about, you're you're both on a podcast and on a video or vlog, whatever they call them these days. Uh, Tell the audience a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Rev. Sure, sure. So we're a two and a half year old company that we look at
1: ourselves as revolutionizing multifamily leasing. We're just taking a different look at how the industry over the last 35 years has, has treated the leasing position. And we're trying to do things differently that are, that are effective and and add incremental value creation for, for owners.
0: I I love that. It's, you know, it's interesting. It brings immediately brings to mind this, uh, concept or idea that there has been a war for talent in our industry for a very long bit of time. And if you put that up against our call it, I don't know if it's really a labor shortage right now, or just an unwillingness of people to get back into the labor force. But uh, if you're looking at a different business model as it relates to leasing, especially as it relates to multifamily, do you think that war for talent is uh, something that your company solves for in a way? I
1: think so. I think in, in a lot of ways, our company takes the pain and strain away from Anyone owner managed properties or even property managed third party managed companies, because it's such a low return, high demand of time investment to to hire even one person. I mean, Glassdoor, I don't know if you saw this statistic, but Glassdoor says that in the industry, it takes 24 days and $4,200 to hire one person. I believe it. I've not seen the stat, but I believe that. So if you think if you follow that thought and you multiply that times the number of people you need to hire to run a company and run properties, you, you, and there's tremendous turnover. There's another statistic. I hate to throw statistics out, but they just stick in my head. According to NAA, one in four leasing professionals turns over yearly and one in three managers turns over annually. So I mean, that's, that's a chaotic situation for anyone owning or running a property.
0: It, it's staggering, you know, this, this is, I hate to admit this, but it's, I think my 28th or 29th year in the multifamily industry. I just cut my teeth from a very young age uh, in the industry at every position, almost every position. But those stats that you just cited uh, have been the norm for all of the years that I have been in this business. And it, it, it filters over. I know we're talking about leasing today, but on the on the uh, maintenance technician side of the business, same stat, roughly the same stats exist. But to your point, it's very expensive. Uh, with the, You count all-in cost. It's very expensive when you have turnover. Very expensive. And there's no you know, you can go ahead and spend the money and the time,
1: and there's no guarantee that someone, you know, will be there more than a couple of months. And so, you know, we think what we're offering is a way to remove that pain, at least as it pertains to the leasing position, because we'll do the recruiting and training uh, for you. And then, you know, our people are certainly capable, very capable of of doing all types of leasing.
0: So, so talk to us a little bit about that. I, I, I sense that there is sort of a, a changing landscape out there. And I don't think it's just isolated to the multifamily space. I think, in fact, you can probably go back years and years and years, and there was this sort of insourcing or outsourcing particular aspects of a business and and so while it's not a new trend, I think it is new as it relates to this position that that you're talking about and what uh, the problem that your company is solving, what has changed about the landscape uh, that caused you two years ago to enter into this space? Well, it's interesting. I
1: I take a look around. Look, I come from, I'm not a lifer in in this particular industry. I'm a businessman. I've been in four or five different businesses in the course of my career, oftentimes entrepreneurial and and building businesses myself or with teams. And so when I'm out in the market, I, I take a look and see exactly, I focus really on what the point you just made, which is how much is being, you know, developed, organically and how much is being developed externally and, and can actually function as part of the organic organization. So, you know, for instance, I'm a big United airline flyer, and I, and I know when I go to the ticket counter at United, I don't know whether those people are actual United employees or if they're contract people. And so just the fact that I can't tell by walking up means they're doing a good job of incorporating these people into their system. And that is the type of approach we take as a business. If we have leasing people on your property per se, anyone walking in would just assume they're they're employees of yours, Mm -hmm. even though they're employees of ours. So we actually get double supervision on them as well because they have to report, obviously, to management on site. Well, we're supervising you know every single day we're reading reading all of the analysis we get daily reports on leasing then we analyze it and so we we then create reporting back to ownership and management that's an extra set of eyes on the property for for uh, for owners particularly but
0: also for for progressive third-party management companies that makes a lot of sense so so talk to me a little bit about that the the reports they receive on a daily basis, are you actually integrated into the property management software or are those reports that your, your team members actually are responsible for submitting to you? We, we take data
1: from the on-site software, Yardi and so forth, but we then take it and analyze it ourselves and then provide our own reports. In addition to what they're getting, they, they obviously can pull up their own information through Yardie and one Site and all these other you know, programs that are used on, on almost all properties. But we're taking it and, and analyzing it purely as a leasing company and how we can do better. You know, we actually, before we even take an assignment, we'll, we'll probably, we'll definitely do a site visit. We'll do some, uh, you know, secret shopping. We'll do, we'll do everything that needs to get done to come up with a suggested plan. Then we'll discuss the proposed plan with the client, adjust it to fit both sides and then we'll run the plan out. So we're actually becoming a, a partner, if you will, in that project. And we and we don't we really aren't trying to obsolete ourselves, even if we're going in on a distress or, or a value add or whatever type of prod- product we're looking at. We, we actually look at ourselves as a long term solution. We're, we don't believe that we're going to obsolete ourselves. When we get you to 98%, we don't say goodbye. We say, OK, we're putting our stabilized team in and you're all set. You don't have this problem anymore. You can focus on all the other issues
0: you have. That, that makes sense. It, it brings to mind culture assimilation. Those two words for me just came to mind is how do you, I, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of an owner in asking questions uh, as it relates to the culture. And if if your team members uh, in my head are, uh, let's say loyal to you, how do you assimilate them into say a, a Radco culture in, in my sure. case? Yeah, sure.
1: That's a great question. It's a, it's it's always the first question, right, from an owner's perspective. And so we actually view ourselves primarily as an owner product because of being, despite, you know, all of the customer service side of our business and our people are fully trained in that and prepared to be very, you know, resident friendly. We're really revenue driven. I mean, we're really focused on on the owner's you know, returns incremental value. You know, uh, how do we value add incrementally? And and so, it's important to us that we don't disrupt culture. I know you, you talked about culture, and I've had that come up. I was speaking to the president of Highmark, and he was very insistent about the corporate culture. And look, I respect that. Our company itself has a great corporate culture, and we we have tremendous work ethic. Our people are all professionals. Uh, if they don't live up to standards you know, like the General Electric model of years ago under, uh, under Jack Welsh, you know, 20% are promoted, 60% keep their jobs, and 20% find another job because they're just not cutting it. And so that, that, that applies. We, we have a fun place to work, but if you're not cutting it, you will be looking for another job. And so, but that culture is easily translatable to virtually all ownership situations. We go in and whatever your culture is, we take that culture and we blend. Now, on the other hand, we don't there's no way that we're going to you know not pursue our excellence in leasing because that's our our motto or our you know if you will our our watchword so. Sure.
0: That, that that makes sense so it's, my my imagination tells me that you have on the front side of your sourcing uh, for talent uh, that comes into your organization there's a i, I assume a very strict way that you uh, go about sourcing talent but Also, probably a a very strict way of onboarding that talent in terms of teaching. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? What goes into the actual training before you put somebody out in the wild, so to speak? Absolutely. So, yeah, (laughs) both I'll talk a little bit about recruiting first and then also about training. And both we do
1: both, we have people dedicated to just those duties every single day, multiple people. And so you know, we, we've grown quite a lot during COVID. I don't know that a lot of companies can say that, but we recruited right through COVID. We trained right through COVID. That was, that was our first, most of our training in the beginning of our company was done, you know, one-on-one uh, in person. So, mm-hmm. but as soon as COVID hit, our training quickly moved to this type of a call right here. Sure. And, and we, we, had, we adapted and and adopted this kind of an approach. So from a recruiting standpoint, We we probably look at about 500 resumes to, and we go through steps. So the 500 get reviewed, and then and then from there we might uh, actually call um, maybe 150 of those, and then from there we'll set up. You know, if if we like what we hear on the phone, we'll we'll then have, you know, maybe we'll do 75. uh, You know, more more intensive interviews and now this is the way we have been doing it. We've now, you know, gone more online and we have an entire process electronically. You know, we work with a company called Loop out of England and it's all it's all really people you know have a very systematic way to go through applying for a job with us right now. Got totally. it. But but so so I won't get into Loop right now, but this is the way our company existed pre-Loop when Loop is maybe a month and a half old with us. Understood. So, so prior to Loop what we would do is go through, get to the 80, have those, you know, more extensive interviews and, and then get down to inviting maybe 10 to 15 people into a, a, to, to become our, our, our employee, because we actually go ahead and hire people and then we pay them to train, which is an unusual way to go. Um, Because if we like them, you know, we, we would rather take them on as an employee right away and, and just, let them run i mean this is this is an opportunity we're giving someone for the first time really if you think about it you've been you're an industry expert and and veteran the way the process has worked and i know paul marks you know paul marks so i was on Paul's show Multifamily matters i don't know four or five times and he said to me one time he said peter you're the leasing company i said yeah that's right paul and he said you know i've had 300 guests on my show over the last four years i said that's interesting paul he said peter all but two of them started in leasing. Yeah, will so yeah, right. let that resonate for a minute, right? So that means all but two of them are not in leasing anymore, okay? The most talented people are not staying in leasing in the, in the industry. So, so to me, that validates what our approach is, which is to, to give people a chance to build a career that keeps them in leasing. They start with us. They, we have seven or eight different levels at which they can keep moving up. And, and become, you know, trainees in management, managers, regional managers. It's, it's very much a structure, but in the leasing, you know, in the leasing, um, you know, area. So we're, we're making leasing a profession instead of a stepping stone, I guess, if you will.
0: I like the way you put that. Yeah. I like the way you put that. So
1: that's rec- that's recruiting and, and training. So, you know. You know, I, I would say up to 500 hours per person. And part of that training is obviously Grace Hill and classroom and all that. Sure. But a lot of it is on site and getting actual leases in a leasing office as, as interns, if you will. So we will not be charging any of our clients for our, our, our employees until they're professional leasers. And so then we have people at different levels. Then we have, you know, uh, you know, follow up courses where they come in and learn tax credit, they, they learn, you know, senior housing, That you know, we have all of these different, you know, our top top people become lease up people, because that's essentially leasing on steroids. So you kind of move up. And then and that's the biggest opportunity for, you know, advancement, if you can get to the top of the, the leasing, you know, uh, uh, column in our in our industry, in our in our company, I mean, you're you're making six figures uh, and you can you can stay in that for decades as a career. Oh, yeah. I,
0: I have very good friends in the industry who have just chased lease ups all over the country for that very reason. You know that, that it's very lucrative. You know, you know, you bring to mind something for me um, that I think is super interesting We're, and, and then we're, this is not novel, uh, but. We are in the process of centralizing a lot of our rote and routine work. And at the same time, we're trying to automate a lot of that rote and routine work. And what what is happening, we're 10 years behind the curve, I think, as it relates to other companies, but we're eliminating the assistant manager role in the organization, Mm -hmm. which is the traditional path of progress for leasing consultants. So you're leasing, then your assistant, then your manager, et cetera. In, In your model, what I heard you say is you have eight different levels of lease let's call it leasing professionalism right eight different levels where they have a career path now where it's hard for me to reconcile in my own mind how do i take a leasing consultant to a property manager right that path of progress doesn't necessarily yes and they're different skills right i mean that's right you
1: know know the positions and the best leasers are not necessarily managers that's right? right they might be able to manage leasing because that's what they know really well but managing Properties is a completely different animal than managing leases. It,
0: it's so true. And even managing people within that process of managing property. And it would, but it, it sounds like in your, I don't want to speak for you certainly, but it sounds like in your world, you, you help them take a sales skill or a skill selling and sort of morph into the manager of people who are Correct. selling. Absolutely right.
1: And, and, you know, you start out as, as a, as an intern and you're still getting paid in our, in our model, And so you you, you know, you, it's great when you're paid to train, it gets us a better quality of candidate too. So that you might, you know, that's part of our plan, obviously. So, um, you know, you start out as a leasing, prof- an intern, then a leasing professional, then you're, uh, you know, kind of a junior leasing manager trainee. And then, you know you're you're a junior leasing manager, then you're a leasing manager, then you're a leasing management director, and then you go to the, the regional people and, and the lease up people. And so there's there's all these different step stepping stones, if you will, within leasing. And, and and if you know you know how the industry has worked over the last 35 years, it's uh it's leasing leasing just hasn't been the focus and yet you and I both know it's 98% of the revenues other than pet fees and parking fees and, you know, minimal late fees. And it's 98% of the revenues.
0: You're so right. I, I, you know, I, I've worked for four different party management companies and, and one stands out uh, in terms of taking a real intentional look at the leasing and sales piece. In fact, they morphed their business into a sales driven organization, right? And so the emphasis was on sales. Yeah, to the point that you made. So I'm going to shift gears slightly here because I'm interested in, and I think our listeners and our viewers are interested in how a virtual or a DIY type leasing scenario, uh, do it yourself, the the DIY, but self-guided tours, all that stuff that has come on the heels of COVID. It was going on before then, but really got accelerated with COVID. How is your business adapting to that particular uh, technology? So it's a great question. And we actually are pretty well
1: versed in, in, in most every, call it bell and whistle, that, that's, that's allowed some, some level of leasing to go on during a pandemic. It's also augmenting normal leasing under normal conditions. And so, you know, our people are trained in these things. Like for Knock, for example, you know, Knock a CRM. Yeah. yeah. yeah you know, I, I was talking to the president of Highmark and he, and he said, um, you know, all our people are using Knock, right now. I said, that's great. He said, what's your, I asked him what his results have been. And he said, you know, I think we picked up about five points leasing. And I'm thinking that's pretty good. You know, you did a good job there. Um, that's not the end of it though. Five points is still just five points. If you, and, and, and I, here's. Here's the way I look at it. So not to, not to condemn all leasing people. I, I just don't want to do that. It's not fair because there are a lot of very good leasing people out there. But generally speaking, in the world, if, if, you, if you entered an entry-level position and you got passed over for a promotion and you're in leasing as a, as, as de, as a de facto, I don't have another upstep to go... In my mind, that person isn't hasn't been promoted, so maybe it's they're not, maybe they're not promotable. I don't I don't know the answer because sure. everybody's different. But generally speaking, if you call that the marginal leasing, okay, the marginal leasing person, if you can get an extra five percent on a, on a, on sort of the average, you know, marginal leasing person, what could you get with a really highly talented, motivated person? Not five percent. You would probably get somewhere, you know, way north of five percent. I didn't want to put a guess on that number, but sure. but it's significant. And and we've got some, you know, success stories that we've had with very, you know, large clients that that you know would would back up that statement. I think.
0: Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more. I I think the difference between somebody who is intrinsically motivated and inspired and and sees that as their as their livelihood versus a person who is uh, right, wrongly indifferent, right, just not intrinsically motivated or not motivated by the same things. Is it, it's you can't. It's hard to put math to that, right? Because it's not just five points. To your point, it's how that person impacts the culture there on the site level. It's how that person interacts with everybody else and motivates and inspires them, or you know, creates draft and and and. Is not afraid to ask for increased rents or all the things that go along with that. Absolutely. So you know it goes.
1: It all goes back to you know the the beginning, right? The uh, recruiting of the right individuals. So, Mm -hmm. so I think another way of putting what what I just mentioned to you before, which is, we really don't recruit anyone that has leasing experience. Interesting. Yeah. Let that sink in for a minute. So uh, that's also counterintuitive. A lot of what we're doing is counterintuitive. To any business, really, right? If 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 you were to go to, you know, someone looking, you know, you're looking to fill a leasing position, you would obviously go and look for someone with leasing experience. We're doing the opposite. We're looking for the person first, the heart, right, the desire, you know, the ability to communicate. uh, You know, all we're looking for the type of person that can fit in this position, and then we feel like we can train them. This comes from I was in another business before this, uh, you know, I worked in the surgery center development business and, you know, I know our company is, you know, largest in the world built, uh, almost 300 surgery centers around the country. Wow. And, and I developed like over 20 myself and and we never once, when you build a surgery center, someone has to run it. And we never once hired someone with experience running a surgery center to run a surgery center. Wow. And so, and we've been tremendously successful. We had no failures basically in this in this whole you know uh, business over over 25 years. No, no, no really bad centers. And so we make money on all of them. And, and and it's interesting. What we figured was, you know, I'd walk into a room and I'd meet my potential surgeon partners. We partnered with surgeons, and, and it would say, Okay, give me the name. I'd say it to 15 people in the room, give me a name of a person in the OR that. When you see this person, you just let out a sigh and, and breath of relief. Thank God my case is going to go well. This person's in the room. I want that person's cell phone number. And we'd get five of them. We'd, we'd, we'd meet three of them. We'd pick one. We'd train them, and they would run the center. Wow. And yeah. it works tremendously well. So I applied that lesson learned to this business, and it seems
0: to be working. So fortunately, knock on wood. It, it makes a ton of sense. We, we, we recently... It, it just makes me think we, we recently shifted gears uh, from using a behavioral based interviewing model to a motivational based interviewing model. And that, that actually um, homeless shelters used to interview potential clients to come in and, and mm-hmm. live in, in the shelter because they want yeah. right. And they and, want success
1: stories. They don't want people who won't, don't want to help themselves.
0: That's that's right. And it, it, we're in the very early innings, so I can. I'm just assuming that our results will be different down the road based on that. But it sounds like what I heard you say in, in interviewing that surgeon was, "Hey, this this person has care. They have empathy. They have compassion. They have all the things necessary to, to demonstrate, uh, you know, higher level leadership. Call it. And you exactly. just taught them how to do it.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. We, and we and that's what we do. We train anyway. This is what this is our business recruit the right people, train them with the right knowledge, oversee their performance, adjust it, put them back out, you know, and just keep improving every day. Look, what we're our business, any building any business is not a straight line from where you are to where you're going. You're going to take two steps forward, three to the right, bounce off the wall, come back, bounce off the left wall the next try, come back, maybe take one back. I mean, you're gonna get where you're where you're going, but it's not without making mistakes. And if you're afraid to make mistakes,
0: you will not grow a business. It's such a wise statement. I yeah, I think it's. I uh, I oftentimes think I, I visit with a lot of, I visit with young people from time to time, and and it's interesting to me how they do want that straight line to the, to the VP finish, right? And, you know what what is the advice? The, the advice is he look, put on some headgear because you're you're gonna you're gonna take but some enjoy day. it
1: enjoy the pro I, I do enjoy it I love building a business to me it's just fun I, I mean look dealing with headaches every day no one likes that but but you have a hard head but keep an open mind and, and and don't don't presuppose anything really just kind of know where you want to get and and try your best option for for you know I was told the guy who started the surgery center business a very close friend of mine, my senior partner in that business. He said, "Put fresh eyes on everything every day." Wise, That's you cannot wise. go wrong if you put fresh
0: eyes on it and then you work. That that makes complete sense to me. That so that that seems like a place where we can start to tie this conversation up a little bit. I know we're running up against the constraints of a of a Zoom call, but uh, I I would love for you to just impart any kind of wisdom knowledge understanding that you have from your time in business I know you've been in four different disciplines we were talking before we got on air here but um, that you could impart on our audience but certainly at the same time take advantage of this time to promote your product just full disclosure we're not in a business sure. relationship or partnership uh, with Peter uh, although I, I find his product to be super interesting <laughs> uh, so feel free to promote that uh, give us a last word and then tell people where they can find you yeah, so
1: you know it's it's been a great run, an early run of two and a half years. We are definitely revolutionizing multifamily leasing. That's our focus. That's our goal every day. Um, you can find us at, at www.revlmc.com, revleasingmanagementcompany.com, but it's revlmc.com. Uh, you can learn about us there, and we, we we love the clients we have. We're always looking for more. We also love our our professionals our leasing professionals they're our lifeblood they're the people that go out every day and and get the job done and and uh you know I, we're, we're excited to be in this business we we think we're on to some some really positive things and and appreciate the time the chance to come on and, and talk with you mike and i'll do it anytime if you if you, if you have someone cancel i'll come back on
0: but <laughs> uh, trust me that that happens so <laughs> i may put that call out to you well I I appreciate your time. I do. I know we had a little bit of technical difficulty getting started here today, Um, but I definitely appreciate your time, Peter, and we will definitely have you back. Um, I'll link up uh, the links to your company in the show notes so people can go there. Our audience ranges from leasing consultants right up to C-suite type individuals. So I think you'll hit uh, every segment there, whether you're trying to recruit new people into your organization and, or you're looking uh, for potential business partners in the future. I think we, we have an audience that runs that gamut. So Peter, again, thank you for your time. I look forward to talking again in the future.
1: My pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.